Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth when man's journey to find it. It is. September 20th, 2015, and we will be reading from the book Popery, As It Was and As It Is. And you can find that book if you want to do the reading yourself on James jpn.net or James Japan's website. You can just look that up, James Japan, you'll be able to find it. And it's, I think it's right there on the front page, actually, cover page. Uh, this particular article is Copopery, as it was and, and as it is by William Hogan. Um, interesting. And, of course, we all know that the Pope is going to be here in three days. Right now in Savannah, the first headline to Yahoo.com, Associated Press. The latest, Francis retires to papal residency in Havana. Did you know there was a papal residency in Havana? Well, now you know. Um, the latest development to Pope Francis visit Cuba and the United States, all that kind of jazz. Okay, um, then the, the Article 3, George Will, Newsmax. Pope is a false prophet. He is a false prophet. Now, Pope Francis embodies sanctity, but comes trailing clouds of sanctimony. Supporters of Francis have brought or bought newspaper and uh, broadcast advertisement to disseminate some of his woolly uh, sentiment that have the intellectual tone, etc. Ted Cruz, who's is a Roman Catholic, believe it or not, at least a background of it, family. Problem is the reason Trump ducks and must duck. The Obama birther question, whatever that means. And of course, Meanless is all good. Um, hey, my house say top stay AP again. Hey, hey. You know, I haven't watched football in years now, so I could hear less. I stopped watching football, and they start winning national champions. Who gives a heart? But who cares? Um, yeah, Cuba's tiny patron saint, a powerful uh, national symbol, Havana. Havana AP, Pope Francis will pay homage to Cuba's tiny patron saint, the Virgin of Charity of Cobre, or Cobre. On Monday and Tuesday during his visit to the island, here's a look at the country's version of Virgin Mary. Anyway, I'll have to take a look at it. Maybe I'll send it to your way. Let's find out what uh, um, Habana's or uh, <laughs> Cuba's version of the Mary is. Here, I'll just send it to you so you can look at it. And let's see. Wow, that's charming. She got a big old crown on top of her head, and the little baby has a crown. The sun burst around it. 
why would anybody, why would any grown man, anybody, any rational sense want to come visit, spend their time visiting that thing? Unless it might have some kind of unique power, demonic power, I don't know. But by the way, this is supposed to be the man that rules the world, and if this is what he's doing, it makes you kind of think, doesn't it? Uh, why we were so a mess. Havana, a Pope Francis will pay homage to Cuba's tiny patron saint, the Virgin of, the Char- uh, of Charity of, uh, I think it's Cobre, uh, on Monday and Tuesday during his visit to the island. Here's a look at the country's Virgin of the, uh, the Virgin Mary. The statue is now 403 years old and stands just over a foot, 35 centimeters tall. But the petite wooden statue in a small church, uh, town church in eastern Cuba is among uh, the most venerable Catholic icons in the world. No wonder they are so obsessed about it. I mean, with Cuba and all that. Huh? It's got some kind of demonic power in that island, doesn't it? Uh, let's see what the rest of this has to say here. Um, yeah, so Cuba, among the most venerated Catholic icons in the world and an object of pride and reverence for hundreds of thousands on the island. Protected inside a glass case, she wears a full golden dress and her f- feet rest on a shimmering crescent moon. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. The story, according to the church tradition, two indigenous laborers and an African slave who had set sail on an old boat in search of salt, really, were surprised to find a statue of of the Virgin Mary atop a wooden table floating above the frothy waves in the Bay of Nipe, your nip, so look at N-I-P-E, in 1615. In her arms, she carried a small figure of the baby Jesus. Ha uh-huh. ha, wink wink. Yeah, we know who that's Jesus, don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church says the board, the broad, uh, the board was uh, the board was inscribed with the words "I am the Virgin of Charity," and that the men were amazed that the statue, cloaked and other garments, were completely dry. Mm-hmm. Synchronism. Over the centuries, the Cubans of many faiths, including Afro-Cuban, uh, there's that the Santeria religion, of course that's Satan religion right there, like complete uh, satanic witchcraft, have prayed to the Virgin, drawn to the uh, participation, participation of the slave John uh, uh, Moran, Marion, in the Discovery's story, Santeria believers call the statue. Uh, I think it's Ochan, Ochin, Ochin. It's O C H U N, the goddess of female sens- uh, <laughs> sensuality and maturity. Wow. 
And uh, should I read the rest of this or not? Man, why not? The shrine, as the virgin's legend grew, so did the capital that housed, uh, well, excuse me, the chapel that housed the statue. Today, it is an ivory-colored church with soaring red domes nestled in the chateau of the Sierra uh, Monstra Mountains uh, in the small community of uh, Cobra, just outside the eastern city of Santiago. Uh, um, one corner of the church is dedicated to offering left offerings left for the Virgin, including votives and thousands of handwritten notes. Ernest Hemingway directed that this that his nineteen fifty Nobel Prize gold medal be placed at the statue's feet as a gesture of thanks to Cuban people for inspiring such works as The Old Man in the Sea. Pope John Paul II visited the shrine in 1998 and placed a golden crown upon the statue's head. Pope Benedict the 16th made a trek in 2012 to honor the uh, quite a central centennial of the appearance of the diminutive relic. Ah, uh, this is big news. This is big news to the Satan worshippers. That's something to really think about because we've now had the past three popes to go visit this particular shrine. Obviously, they feel it has some kind of special power, seeing that they're actually witches and warlocks. It's not really anything more than that. They're priests of the of darkness and blackness. Um, the Sister Shrine, Cuban-American exiles have long worshipped the Virgin of Charity at the Sister Church, built in southern Florida, known in Spanish as the de la Virgin de la Cerrada. I don't know if I pronounced any of that right, but uh, between the Cubans, that dates back more than a half a century. President Barack Obama stopped by when he was in Miami earlier this year in an effort to reach out to exiles and to show homage to his true masters. Of course, that would be the Jesuits in Rome, many of whom were upset by his announcement that the United States would work towards restoring relations with the island's communist government. He was the first American president to visit the shrine. Imagine that. And who would have thought of uh, a foot-high statue of supposed Mary, the Black Madonna, the, some people seem to think it's Satan, uh, other people think it's, you know, whatever it is, if you don't really, whatever it is, these Luciferians, obviously, well, you know what, they worship it. By the way, these are the same people who are controlling your life, so you might want to think really hard about that. 
real hard about that. I'm not saying that we should uh, recognize the legitimacy of it, but we certainly should think about the mentality, the uh, stability uh, mentally, psychologically, spiritually that these men have if they all go to see a foot-high statue of Mary with one of the most contrived stories of all that one could ever think of. Look at uh, Cuba's top Roman Catholic churchman, Cardinal Jamie Ortega. Havana, a look at Cuba's top Roman Catholic churchman, Cardinal Jamie Ortega, who had mass on Sunday, thank Pope Francis for his work promoting Luciferianism, I'm sure. <clears throat> this is ISA, ISIS intel. The U.S. military tried to hide. Yeah, whatever. I'm so tired of that story. That's the most contrived pile of nonsense that there ever was. Um, and it goes on and on. I want to go look at this other thing. Let's go back to this uh, before we get into this book. Um, I'm not really too interested about what George Will thinks. He is a false prophet. Who in the heck cares what George Will? Um, where did it go? It disappeared. You stickers, you took it away from me. That's right. I wanted that one. You knew it too. All right. Let's see. Maybe we can find it up here. I'm very interested in the itinerary, and we lost it. Well, I will try to gather it up as the day goes on. I will do some more reading tomorrow night, and definitely Tuesday for sure. And Wednesday, I will be totally, show after show after show, I can guarantee you Wednesday will be a blitzkrieg, a marathon of exposing the biblical historical antichrist and the great hypocrisy that it is. Um, oh, there's a nice, wonderful picture. Look at Castro, man. See that pedophile. I'm sure glad to see you as they shake and they give you their free Masonic handshake. Man, talk about trying to figure out even how you do something like that. Uh, Pope Francis meets Fidel Castro on Sunday after urging thousands of Cubans to serve one another and not in idol, uh, ideology. <laughs> Delivering a subtle jab at the communist system during the mass celebrated under the gaze of an image of G. Uh, G oh gosh, what I, I wish I had somebody with me right now. Uh, Gavira, right? Gavira, Gavira. What is the Gavira? Anyways, uh, the Havana's icon Revolution Plaza. The Vatican described the 40-minute meeting with Castro's residents as informal and familial. Of course that is, because these guys have talked numerous times, and they've already, Castro's already visited him back in Mother's Day this year. A couple of uh, devout Jesuit uh, stooges. All, both, all, both have a history of pedophilia and human trafficking, so here we are. They probably love each other to death. 
as Castro wears his Adidas sweatshirt. And really, the Pope goes straight to Castro's uh, home. was interesting. Very interesting. Whose home is Castro's, really? Now, the Vatican described, yeah, okay, unlike uh, 2012 visit to Benedict XVI when Castro peppered the German theologian with questions, the meeting with Francis was more of a conversation. Papal spokesman, the Reverend uh, Frederico Lombardi said, a photo provided by uh, Alex Castro, <laughs> Fidel's son, an official photographer, shows the 89-year-old uh, uh, former president murderer, uh, sodomite uh, movie star, Jesuit trained in three different Jesuit schools, and Francis, the... Uh, Jesuit Freemasonic butcherer or contributor of the butchery and part of the dirty war in Argentina, which tens of thousands of people died at the hands of their Inquisition. And so I'm sure they just love each other. They got a lot of things they probably have in common. They probably sat down, drank themselves a Cafe or cerveza, and uh, talked about how the good old days, you know what I mean? The good old days. And I noticed this, uh, he's just wearing his Adidas. He's, he's uh, so happy to see the Pope that he wore a Adidas sweatshirt. What's that all about? Because you know, they, they prep these things, they plan everything, you know. I guess he's uh, marketing Adidas, huh? Uh, Francis called on Castro after celebrating Mass in Havana, Main Plaza, on his first full day in Cuba. Believers and non-believers alike streamed into the square before dawn, and they erupted in cheers to their Nimrod, their Superman, the man of the world, the image of the beast, the image of the Roman Empire. No, it has to be something else. Even though it's right in your face on a daily basis, everybody knows what this turd picker likes, looks like. And no, he's not the image of the beast, though. No, it's something else. We're waiting for that image of the beast to show up. Where are our minds if you can't recognize the reality of what's right in your freaking face? I'm sorry about the language. But it's really disturbing at this point how nobody can see the reality that which is right we've got to fantasize about something in the future or fantasize something on a piece of paper instead of what's right there in front of your face why well, even the the human uh, the humanist and the atheist and the uh you know of course the Satanists and the devil worshipers love them they're all like him he's a great guy. He is. He's just a wonderful man. I mean, you imagine all the wonderful things that man has done. And, and what I said, imagine, because that's all it is, imagination. 
But he's got a great smile, a charming smile, and people really don't believe in God. They believe in man. They worship man. This is what the reality is. goes back to the football statement about Ohio State. Hey, there's my team, even though it's not my team, and that uh, they could care less about my existence at all. Yet uh, there was a time in my life where I spent energy and time learning about the players and everything about them, their stats and all that, idolizing them. Yeah, idolizing them. You say, Mike, well, what's the difference with you focusing so much on the Pope? I'm focusing on the papacy. He's a symbol of the papacy, and unfortunately, we do have to deal with this image that everyone and their mother seems to go right over their head. That he is the image. You can argue all you want about it, but you know what? Reality is reality. doesn't matter if it's Pope Francis or Pope Benedict or Pope John Paul II, whatever Pope. They have been the image of the beast. You see... See, the image is more than just religion or the, or the empire itself. It's the illusion that this empire cares. It's Christian. Loves God. It's interested in God. It's actually interested in common man. Beyond the fact of how they can exploit them and imprison them. And one of the best ways to go about doing that is have your phony man of God show up with his fake smile and his Superman outfit. You ever think, you ever ask yourself, where did that Superman outfit ever come from? Where did people ever get that idea about a man in some kind of weird outfit and having superpowers? Why, you could look no further than the papacy and the priestcraft. Because they're the ones, for thousands of years, have dressed up like fruitcakes, weirdos, and their capes, and their dresses, and their slippers, covering their heads with their beanie caps, which they're not supposed to, doing everything possible to mock, belittle, profane the Word of God. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating that the Pope went to Castro's house and Castro's wearing an Adidas sweatshirt. What's that all about? Because you know that wasn't just a, a coincidence. So now we know that there, uh, there's a really important satanic, Luciferian idol, a foot-high supposed image of uh, Mary holding... Uh, Jesus, and if you saw that picture, if you believe that I was floating in the ocean in a raft, amazingly kept uh, 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 dry by a couple of slaves, you'll believe anything. That's all I got to say. Why is this so important, folks? Because not he actually is. When you look at that guy, if you can just get past the idolatry, if you could just get past the charming smile, which really is not that charming once you really think about it. 
and you can get past the goofy outfit that you and all of us have been brainwashed, whether we're believers or not, to mean some kind of authority, you can see that this man represents all that is wrong with the world, not what's right with the world. All that is wrong with man. So anyways, here we go again. Now, we're going back to this uh, uh, book, and I plan on reading this throughout the next three days. I think it's very worthwhile, as long as we're giving commentary on what's going on at the, at the present and uh, keeping folks up to date of uh, the charade that uh, just makes the Oscars look like child's play as it is. Well, this is the intro of this book. Popery as it was and as it is by William Hogan. William Hogan was born in Ireland, educated in Maynooth, Maynooth College and became a priest before immigrating to America around 1810. Assigned to St. Mary's Parish in Philadelphia, he proved himself a popular priest. But he soon ran afoul of Bishop Henry Conwell, who resented his popularity and disapproved of his vigorous social life. When Hogan resisted Conwell's attempts to rein him in, Conwell suspended him. The trustees of St. Mary's rushed to Hogan's defense, and Conwell soon had a full-blown schism on his hands. He eventually excommunicated Hogan, Hulk Hogan, William Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hogan in uh, 1821, and then, like many American bishops, in 1820s, wrestled control of the parish from the lay trustee. Interesting. Following his excommunication, Hogan managed a circus. Well, what more ideal uh, career to go into after being a priest? Manage a circus. <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. Study law and marry twice. Well, we could forgive him about that. Uh, before re-emerging in the 1840s as a leading voice of anti-Catholicism. He went on to lecture, on the lecture circuit and wrote belligerent essays in popular journals and published in 1851 a book entitled Popery as it was and as it is. The general tone of the letter is conveyed in the following statement, quote, I am sorry to say, from my, from my knowledge of a Roman Catholic priest, that there is not a more corrupt, licentious body of men in the world, end of quote. You can find that also on Wikipedia. All right, here we go into the book. I consider former Roman Catholic priests my best source of information. Turns out to be that way. They were insiders of a highly secretive and uh, insidious uh, organization. Most people don't 
not think of the Roman Catholic Church as a secret society, such as Freemasons or Skull and Bones. Catholicism appears to be an uh, innocuous branch of Christianity to many, but those who think so are woefully lacking in a basic knowledge of world history. In any nation where the Catholic Church is a minority, they seek equal rights. But when they are the majority, and that's where we're at, folks, the majority power, they want to rule in every way, religiously, spiritually, and especially politically. Welcome to America in 2015. It is for this reason that the Japanese Tokugawa government expelled all Roman Catholics, brackets Jesuit missionaries, in the 17th century. They knew that the Catholic Church was seeking military and political control of Japan and was therefore a threat to their government and nation for more information about this, please see History of the Catholic Aggressiveness in Japan. I don't know if I contributed to that one. I know I sent him some information. This is from James Japanson. The last section called uh, Popish Bishops and Priests to Absolve Allegiance to uh, Protestant Governments was so long that I had to divide it up further with titles that are not in the original book. Americans who read this work may think, quote, this is all very interesting history of the Catholic Church in America in the first half of the 19th century, but it is not like that today. While it's true that modern American Catholics have a more tolerant attitude towards non-Catholics, what do the priests and bishops think about it? They are still seeking uh, domination of America. They managed to find that, folks. They're definitely going to have a Roman Catholic presidency in the open this time. Just like, just look at the Supreme Court today in 2015. Six out of nine of the judges are Roman Catholics. Look, of course, the other three are Jews. Going to have those uh, papal court Jews. Things go wrong, you can blame them. And they don't have a reason to blame because they're going along with the program. Okay, uh, where are we at with this? Uh, look at the president cabinet and see the prominent number of Catholics. And of course, Vice President Joe Biden is a Catholic and quite proud of it, seeing how shows the mark of ashes he got from his priest. How many ashes do they have? The Ash Wednesday and have Tuesday and Thursday, Friday? I don't know. Talk about a mark of the beast. Maybe they'll make us all walk around with a black dot on their head. Maybe that's what the future holds, you think? Everyone's getting, got used to wearing tattoos on your arms and your legs and your 
your buttocks and your your genitals. What you know, it's now time to start having it on. Just just have one big mark on your forehead at all times. It's demonstrate that you're a slave to the satanic system. And of course, James asked the question: Could that be the mark of the beast? Then? Popery as it was and as it is. Okay, For, uh, by William Hogan Esquire. <laughs> uh, he's Esquire. That ought to tell you something right there. This is fascinating. Esquire. So this guy worked for the Crown. He was a uh, turned into a bar. Bar is unnamed for a lawyer. He's a bar. Still serving Rome. And just in a different way. Whether you knew it they're not. Formerly, okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Formerly a Roman Catholic priest with several illustrations. Uh... In 1854, the following pages, respectively, dedicated to American Republicans, the author. Whatever that means. Of course, that was a different meaning back then. Anyways, preface. Uh, In submitting the following pages to the public, I can say, with truth, that I am uh, actuated by no other motive than a sincere desire to promote the interests and contribute all in my power to perpetuate a free institution of this, my uh, adopted country, the Corporation of the United States of America. And many years since I have had any, it, uh, it is many years since I have had any intercourse or connection with the church or priests of Rome. Yeah, that's how I used to speak back then. And I vainly imagined that after the first outbreak of their um, animosity, 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 excuse me, for uh, repudiating their doctrine it would succeed in a calm indifference. I was aware of the custom in that church to defame and accumulate all, all who, quote, went out of her, end of quote, but especially those who have held any distinguished position. Against such Appeals are immediately made to the people by their priest until finally maddened by sophistry, fanaticism, and falsehoods, they look upon the uh, the cedar as one who is their duty to destroy, in whose word, honor, and virtue no confidence is to be reposed. The object of the Romish church in this cannot be mistaken. 
it is too plain to escape even the least observant eye. A lawyer can render legally valueless the testimony of opposing witnesses, seldom fails in establishing his case, and hence it is that the Romish church never fails to destroy, if she can, the credibility of all who break loose from her, knowing them to be the best witnesses of her iniquities. But for some years back, and until recently, the violence of the popish priests against myself seemed to slumber. This was natural in the body ecclesiastic, as well as the natural body, a morbid excitement often succeeded, succeeds a stupor, and recently these gentlemen have assailed me again. Two apparent indifferences succeeded a frantic zeal, and from one end of this continent to the other, they have tried to injure me by appeals to the public through their oppressors, especially through the confessional. All this I would have disregarded, as usual, but I find that these priests have become politicians, and that every blow aimed at me for the free exercise of my judgment as to as to the best mode of worshiping God is aimed at the constitution of my adopted country, which grants this blessing without let or hindrance to all the children of men. Well, aware that Americans are not equated with the designs of popery against their country and its institutions, I feel it my duty to lay before them the following pages. Uh, and the, uh, because the perusal of them will satisfy every American that our country is in danger. Not so much from enemies abroad as from foes within. They will find that the papists have reduced political as well as religious corruption to a system and are at this moment practicing it amongst us upon a great and gigantic scale. And this is your continuous synopsis of popery. Let's see if what happens here. If we get that going, when this country renounced its allegiance to the British crown, which we've learned that that never happened, and most likely this gentleman, being a esquire, a bar, a lawyer, probably by this time had already known this. Well, this is all part of the official propaganda, and I'm sure he wasn't able to actually speak the truth, 
back then, even more than you are able today. So we'll forgive him of his claim here. I don't know who's more dangerous, the papacy or the crown. The Freemasonic-run Luciferian crown. The black nobility, the ruling elite, they're, um, they're always, you know, fighting amongst each other for control and power. Who really is the worst? Before we look at Pope Francis, we should recognize that he is a puppet and someone's pulling his strings. And many people say it's the black pope, and that's something that's very valid argument. But usually, logically and rationally, and if you are the man in charge of, or men in charge of it all, I think you would learn through history that the way to stay in charge and control is to stay in the shadows permanently. So, when we look at the image of the beast, the Pope, he's just that image. He's a man of very little power, except for the illusions that he uh, practices on the rest of us. He is a fellow sorcerer, but he um, does not have absolute power. It just doesn't work that way. Never has, never will. If you ever see anybody in public on the screen, like an Alex Jones or a President Obama, or uh, Henry uh, Henry Kissinger, or whatever you want to think of uh, Putin. I understand they really aren't in charge. It's only the illusion, so that we could fit our anger and love and affection and adoration on a man. For the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, the most of us worship man, a man. We're trained to worship a man. An idol. How insane is that? We are mad. Anyways, um, and proclaimed itself independent. Okay, now we're talking about, let's just start from the beginning. The country announced its allegiance to the British crown and proclaimed itself independent. Itself independent. Popery was on the wane in Europe. It was. They are getting more uh, sickly, more uh, feeble, uh, until it had little more than a mere nominal existence. Um, but while its blossoms were fading, its thorns retained their uh, vitality. 
inflicting pains and wounds on all who came in contact with them. The Jesuits, one of the most influential orders of friars, belongs to the Roman Church and continues still active as ever in their fiendish avocations. They roam about like so many gnomes from country to country, from people to people, carrying with them and strewing on their uh, paths the seeds of moral death on all that was precious and valuable in the social system. Like the role of a man and a woman, the sacredity of marriage, or sanctity of marriage. Um, perversion, perverting the youth that we see today. Of course, most people say, it's the Jews, it's the Jews. And surely there are Jews involved in this. But it's not just the Jews, let's face it. It's the, it is Rome. This is the Jesus. All, this, this, their cause. All this thing that you see, all the satanic worshiping in uh, the movies and in music and etc. That's all they're doing. The false cosmology that you believe in, that's all they're doing. And it goes on and on. So anyways, whatever they touched was blighted. Whatever they said or preached breathed treachery. Wherever they went, vice, crime, and duplicity marked their track. But dark as the times were then, enshrouded as they had been in ignorance and idolatrous as the people were, they began to manifest some dissatisfaction at the machinations of Jesuits and their efforts to acquire temporal power, which has always been it's about their efforts to acquire temporal power. And remember that it is the truth and reality that the spiritual always overrides the temporal. Hence the reason why the Jesuits are the ones who now have acquired this temporal power. They began to feel it in the loss of their property. By the way, after the Pope shows up, there won't be any asteroids and nukes and all that other stuff, but there will be a ramping up of war for sure. And one of the big issues, one of the big demonstrations, one of the big uh, symbols or signs for why it's the Popey Franci, Franny baby, Franny the baby killer. It has to show up, and all this, all this has to go about, and all the obsession about him, and his visits, and this time, and prophecy, and predictions, doomsday. The end of the world is to get everyone focused on him. And that's not just Protestants or Catholics. 
That's the whole world. This is symbolic. This symbolism is to demonstrate to the rest of the world that they're the ones in charge of the West. That there's a new boss, a new sheriff in town. Well, it's still the old show. It's still the same as the old boss. But now it's having an open face. You see, they've always been in power. But because of all the things that happened over the many years and the wound that they received, in particular with the Reformation, that um, they eventually, especially with the Jesuits, the Jesuits, oh my gosh, folks, their reputation, people knew about the Jesuits 150 years ago. It wasn't a secret. Either side of the pond, whether it were in Europe or in America, they knew about the Jesuits. The people remember the consequences of the Jesuits. So they had to go underground. And they had to find a new base, a new base of operation. That is called the United States of America, or the United States. In particular, and um, there you are, folks. They're just coming out in the open. That's all this is. This is a very big political move. You know, last Pope, we know, they they tested waters and they visited the White House. And people didn't say anything. Now he's going to go right in. The Capitol Line Hill, Capitol Hill, to their temple, and in public. Demonstrate his authority. And your politicians, the people you thought you voted for, they were always working for him. Well, let me rephrase that. They were always working for Rome, the papacy, the Jesuits. They were never, ever interested in working for you, whether you're a Roman Catholic or not. You're all fodder. We're all fodder. We're all expendable in their minds because their goals, the Jesuits, their society, their elitist connections, the Illuminati, plan on ruling every aspect of your life. They want to be gods. And they're going to be playing God for a long time. So we might as well get used to it and accept the fact of what we're under. All right. They began to feel in uh, the loss of their property out of which they, too late, saw themselves gradually uh, swindled. They felt in the loss of their liberty and civil rights, and out of which they had been persuaded, all for the good of the church. Endurance became intolerance, intolerable, excuse me, and those unhallowed agents had been uh, partially suppressed. The Popish Church at this time 
seeing the influence of her most active agents gradually diminishing, her ancient glories fading, and her power vanishing from her grasp, and scarcely available to breathe any longer in the uh, putrid atmosphere which her own corruption and impurities had created. Very naturally turned her eyes towards this brilliant new world. The new world order, folks. Duh. Yes, the new world order. The new world order. Coming out of the supposed Western Hemisphere. Anyways, the Popish Church. And, okay, yeah, there we go. Okay, where are we at? Um, it was then young and uh, beautiful. It abounded in all the luxuries of nature. It promised all that was desirable to man. The Holy Church, seeing these irresistible temptations, thirsting with reverence um, and yearning for the reestablishment of her falling greatness, soon commenced pouring in among its unsuspecting people hordes of Jesuits and other friars with a view of forming among them institutions which were already found to be destructive to the peace and morals of all society, religious principles in Europe. We now see popish colleges and nunneries and monastic institutions springing up in our hitherto happy republic. And if similar causes continue, as they have ever done, to produce similar effects. It needs no prophet's eyes to see, no inspired tongue to tell, that the consequences must be to posterity. Many suppose that popery has been modified, that it is different now from what it was in ancient times. And of course, we look at Pope Franny and the tale, the tale that they're spinning. He's a different type of Pope. He's more modern. He's more hip. He's more understanding. He's connected to the man on the street, the commoner, the poor. And it's all a grand deception. And millions upon millions of ignorant, most likely well-meaning people follow along like sheep to the slaughter. And many of us, unfortunately, will be dragged around to the slaughter, whether we're kicking and screaming or not. So might as well get used to it. Many suppose that the popery has been modified once again, and that it is different now from what it was in ancient times, that the spirit which uh, actuated the uh, popus 
Hopists in those dark days ceases to influence them now that the faggot, the rack, and the various other modes of torture are not still in use in the Roman church. <laughs> and that it is that it has long ceased to lay claim by divine right the temporal sovereignty or to any other of those prerogatives which they formerly insisted upon. There are some so prestigiously liberal as to grant them all immunities which may be with safety granted to other sects. Sex, and not sexes and people, men and women, but sex, like religious sex. Others are there so patriotic as to hold at defiance all their power. Others so self-conceited as to fan, fancy themselves and overmatch even for Jesuits in religious chicanery and political intrigue. All this arises not from what the true zeal in American Protestants, but because they are unacquainted with the canons of the Roman Church. Sound familiar? These canons are inaccessible to the majority of the American people, even of the theologians. And with the purport and meaning of them, none but those who have been educated Roman Catholic priests have much or any acquaintance. I hesitate not to say, although I do so with the utmost respect and deference, that there are but few American theologians, oh yes, who have much acquaintance with the doctrines and canons of the Roman Church, they form no part of their studies, and knowledge of them is not necessary in the legitimate discharge of their pastoral duties, and hence it is that in many of their controversies with the Romish priests, they are not unfrequently browbeaten, bullied, and often almost ignominiously driven from the arena of controversy by men who, in point of general information, virtue, piety, zeal, and scriptural knowledge, are greatly their inferiors. Who are, who, and he who argues with Catholic priests must have had his education with them. He must be of them and from among them. He must know from experience that they will stop at no falsehood. Where the good of the church is concerned, he must know that they will uh, uh, that they will scruple 
at no this forgery when they desire to establish any point of doctrine fundamental or not fundamental which is taught by their church you must be aware that it is a standing rule with popish priests in all their controversies with Protestants to admit nothing and deny everything and that if still driven into difficulty they will still have the recourse to the archives of the church where they keep piles of decretals canons uh, rescripts bulls excommunications interdicts etc ready for all such emergencies some of them dated from 300 to a thousand years before they were written or even thought of well I don't know let me read that some of them dated from 300 to a thousand years before they were even written or even thought of showing more clearly perhaps than anything else the extreme ignorance of mankind between the third and ninth centuries interesting when most of these forgeries were palmed upon the world with the aid of these miserable forgeries they attempt to prove among other things that the divine right of the Pope to the sovereignty of this world was acknowledged by the fathers of the church in the earliest days of Christianity and of course that makes a little sense in the world you probably already thought of this yourself the reason why the information and history during the period that it was mentioned between the three uh, was it 300 AD to 1000 AD centuries but there's hardly any information there well you can thank the Roman Catholic Church for that and you can also count on the fact never coming from a former priest that anything that you read that's quote-unquote from Rome quote-unquote Christian history came from Rome and you better put a big question mark at the end of it because you know what there's a high probability that what you believe in as far as the historical facts of that time period are all fabrications all fabrications and the problem is there's no way to prove it at this point oh it's a masterful satanic wicked system wicked as can be but thank goodness God still has allows us to have two eyes and a little bit of common sense and when you see that guy walking around with his staff with the emaciated Christ and the bent cross with his Babylonian Dagon hat with the Star of David on it and all sorts of different pagan idols 
looking like demon-possessed warm-over, looking like and acting like pedophile-slash-homosexual child molester and actually behaving as a child with their costumes. And you bow down to it. Do you respect it? Do you admire it? Do you even recognize it? Uh, many of us, we've been conditioned to even just ignore it. As if it's indifference, makes a di- it makes a difference in the world. If we just ignore the Jesuits, if we just ignore the papacy, well, they won't matter and just go away. I'm going to tell you, that strategy has been used over and over again and it don't work. So we're going to have to start paying attention to this fairy tale. This I don't even know how you describe it. It's like, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, when you seriously to get, to spend some time and just look, just spend a couple minutes and seriously look at pictures of popes. Just look at them. And ask yourself, what happened to us that it's even tolerable that a man walks around in dress and slippers with a miter on, acting as if he's God? If you cannot see that these men are demon-possessed warlocks and witches and wizards, I don't know. I don't know what you see in it. Oh, he's just a priest. Do we even understand what a priest is? Do we really understand what the meaning of a priest is? Have you ever asked yourself what the meaning of a priest is? There are to be found now in the Vatican at Rome canons and decretals which go to show that the Pope was considered, quote, equal to God, end of quote. As early as the third century, more of these impious forgeries attempt to show that some of the most pious fathers of the church in the days of her unquestioned sanctity and piety and, and acknowledged, quote, Mary, the mother of Jesus, to be equal to God, the Son, and deserved supreme adoration, end of quote. With these forged in instruments, they attempt to show the primitive Christians believed in the real and actual presence of the whole body and blood of Christ, a wafer which they called the Eucharist. Now, I'm going to ask you something. This is an insider, and a lot of these insiders all say the same thing or similar things, that all that history back then that we believe to be true was forgeries. And if anyone does some serious study, just it doesn't have to be that serious, but just spend a couple of days of your life trying to figure out when Rome, when the Roman Catholic Church took over, what year it was exactly. (laughs) 
Don't think you got the right date. Don't ever think you got the right date. Don't ever think you have actual proof and evidence historically of that time period. Don't be fooled by that. When people say, well, back in 250 A.D. or 310 or 316, they can't ever make up the mind what day it was. That's when Rome changed the days, times, and seasons. And you walk around like you know it all. Because you heard it from somebody else who was a know-it-all. We don't know when it happened. All we know is that it did happen. And that should be good enough at this point. Trusting in dates during that time period, trusting anything that's, quote, history of that time period, is extremely foolish. Extremely foolish. There are to be found now in the Vatican at Rome. Canon scrolls will show the paper. Okay, here we go. Okay, um, monstrous, horrible, and pious as these absurdities are, I only believe them. I once believed them myself. So much for the prejudice of education. The object of the following pages is to show first the origin of the papal power. Secondly to call attention of Americans to the rapid growth in many of the nations of the earth. And thirdly, to put my fellow citizens on their guard against giving it any countenance or support within the limits of the United States. Continue the origin of temporal power of the Pope. And I, um, everybody left. Cool. That's cool. That means if everyone left, she's even working. Cool. Be back in five. got to check on my son. Sorry about the... Anybody listening to us about my horrendous reading. But no one else is doing it, so I have to once again do it myself. So. I don't have to do it. I guess I just walk around with my head in the sand like everyone else does. Huh. Let me check on my son. So anyways, for those who say I'm Jesuit bashing, well, it's a priest that's talking about it, not me. So anyways, sorry if there's just uh, some empty air here. That's okay, I need to get a little break.
And uh, I don't know if anybody was even, I don't even know if you could even hear it. So, I don't know. Anyways, that's what I'm going to be doing the best of my ability for the rest of the week. It's going to be shows like this. It'd be nice to have, quote-unquote, interaction, uh, commentary. But at this stage, I'm totally convinced that most of the people that are commentating about about this stuff are really not commentating. They're just simply regurgitating. So I might as well just read somebody else's regurgitation. Somebody was there. So, I don't know. I do know one thing. It's a strange world. It's a strange world and a strange time. Very strange world and a strange time. And, uh, I don't know what to think. I do know one thing. It's 2015. And a guy walking around in a dress with slippers and a beanie cap dominates the headlines. Have things really changed that much over the years? I'm not talking 10 or 20 or 100. I'm talking thousands of years. I don't know. Why should we care? Why should you care? Interesting, I saw the moon today and the sun in the sky. Had a half moon. And then the moon was but, uh, you know, it's in the, I don't know. It wasn't 12 o'clock. We'll say it's 12 o'clock. And the sun was like, a, yeah, I don't know, 3 o'clock, if you can imagine that. Half a moon. Blue skies. And the sun in the sky, too. And it didn't make any sense. The sun would be in the sky, and the moon would be a half moon. Obviously, the sun does not give its light to the moon. So, what does that mean? Once again, Certainly, the moon should have been much more brighter than that. And it certainly should have been a half a moon. With the sun, you could see the sun. It should have been shining its light upon the the moon. And it should have been much more light covering the moon. Kind of like if you get a ball... You get a flashlight and you shine the light on that flashlight or the ball that the light will dissipate gradually as it goes around the ball. 
that in reality only a portion of the ball would be in dark. And um, it would be not this uh, unnatural just cutting in half, one being dark side and the other being light. Um, I think we're mad. I think we believe in a lot of things that aren't true. And uh, I think we're still under a, a grand illusion. A grand illusion. And uh, I wish I had somebody to talk to. But I don't, as usual, most of the time. I am grateful we do have somebody to talk to. But um, I don't even notice a lot of times my show is just me just talking out loud, my thoughts. And uh, it's a strange world. It's a strange life. It's a lonely life. Overall, and so I do have a song, so that's good. Anyways, isn't that really weird that they would stop just to go to Cuba to see a, a foot-high statue of quote-unquote Mary holding Jesus? Does that make sense to you? That makes sense to me. <clears throat> Anyways, this is anybody there? Nope. I'm back. No one's there. All right, we'll continue reading to myself and making comments to myself. The origins of the temporal power of the Pope. We have no authentic authentic evidence that the bishops or the uh, presbyters of the primitive church or Christian church they claim to temporal power, much less universal sovereignty, such as popes have arrogated, uh, arrogated to themselves. At subsequent times, even down to the present day, Constantine, as we are informed, by the best authorities, was the first to unite civil and ecclesiastical power. He introduced Christianity among the Romans by civil authority. This occurred between the years of 272 to 337, something like that. But never during his reign, nor before it, was there an instance of a bishop or a presbyter of the church aspiring to temporal jurisdiction. They were poor and persecuted. They were meek and humble. They were well mind, uh, content with the privilege of worshiping God in peace. The instructions of their divine master were fresh in their minds, and they all, almost still wrung in their ears. 
They felt that they were sent into the world with special instructions to, quote, preach the gospel to every creature, end of quote. It sounds good to me. Their heavenly master told them that his, quote, kingdom was not of this world, end of quote. Amen. And they felt the full force of that high and holy admonition. Quote, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And the quote, they cheerfully submitted to the civil authorities. They claimed no right to give away the kingdom, uh, uh, crowning emperors, disposing, deposing princes, absolving their subjects from their oaths of uh, allegiance. These pure Christians and devout men asked for no distinctions, but those of, the virt of virtue and zeal in the cause of Christ. They sought for no wealth but that of heaven. They desired no crown but that of glory. They sought no tiara save that of martyrdom. They were, they, they were surrounded by no court but that of the poor. No college of the cardinals awaited on their pleasure. There were no uh, nuncios sent from their court. No foreign ambassadors passed between them the power of this earth the only court with which they had business to transact, and in which their treasures were laid up, was the court of heaven, and their only ambassadors of that court were the angels of heaven, sent forth to minister unto them. But this state of things did not last long, as the modern writer believed, beautifully expressed it, as a modern writer beautifully expressed it, quote, the trail of the serpent is over us all. End of quote. How true. The Emperor Constantine, seeing the poverty of the primitive church, her vast and progressive increase in numbers, and the consequent demand upon their uh, charities, granted to her bishops permission to hold property real and personal. This concession on the part of Constantine, simple and trifling as it seemed to be, this uh, uh, commingling, coming, commingling, excuse me, of <clears throat> The things of heaven and earth was unnatural. It contained with it, within itself the principles of dis, uh, dissolution and rather the entire destruction and became in time the source from which have sprung most of the wars, massacres, and bloody strifes that have desolated and divided into fragmentary sections the richest, the fairest, the finest portions of the globe. During the last 1,500 years, 
and will continue to do so unto the end of time, unless the advance of civilization and the great progress which the human mind has made in ethics, morals, and metaphysics on this continent puts an immediate check on the popish interference with the policies of our country. Could we support an individual who knew nothing of ancient times, who was an entire stranger to the darkness which pervaded Europe during the Middle Ages, who had no acquaintance with the pretensions, arrogance, and insolence of the Roman pontiffs, who knew no other constitution and no other laws but those of their own country. He could not but feel surprised at being first told that there now lived in Rome an upstart ecclesiastic called a pope who has a hardened hood to assert that he is sovereign Lord and that to by divine right of these United States as well as all other kingdoms of the world. He goes even further and contends that his predecessors had similar divine rights and that all the citizens and inhabitants of this world owed allegiance to him personally and to no one else unless delegated by him to receive it. But strange as this may appear, it is no less true as I will show from authorities which cannot be questioned by those who claim such extravagant immunities. The Pope of Rome predicates his claim to the universal sovereignty upon the power of loosing and binding on earth and in heaven, which in the exuberance of their fancy Roman Catholic writers contend was given to St. Peter. Their next step is to prove that this supremacy was acknowledged by the primitive fathers of the church and consequently their rights and claims are beyond dispute. Before I can proceed to give any of the authorities upon which the Roman Catholic writers rest the antiquity of the recognition of their Pope's temporal power, the Pope's temporal power, it may not be amiss to inform the reader that the very first on which they rely on, rely is one of the most uh, unblushing forgeries on record and is dated about 600 years previous to a time at which it purports to have been written. It is taken from the words of the conveyance of, the conveyance of certain temporal concessions said to be made by the Emperor Constantine to Pope Sylvester 
sometime between the 2nd and 3rd century, it is the following words. We attribute to the chair of uh, St. Peter all imperial dignity, glory, and power. We give to Pope Sylvester and to his successors our palace of Latrin, one of the finest palaces on earth. We give him our crown, our mitre, our diadem, Diadem, I hope it's pronounced that right, and all our imperial vestments. We resign to him all our imperial dignity. We give the Holy Pontiff as a free gift of the city of Rome. All the western cities of Italy, as well as the western cities of other countries. <laughs> To make room for him, we abdicate our sovereignty over all the provinces, and we withdraw from Rome, transferring the seat of our empire to Byzantinium. Since it is not just that a terrestrial emperor shall retain any power where God has placed the head of the church. It would be a waste of time to show that no such donation as the above ever existed. No mention is made of it in any history of the popes that has ever been written or in any other document which had reference to them during the reign of Constantine. It is a forgery so shallow, unreal, and unsustainable that there is no well-educated historian and never has been one who gave it any credence. The historian Flavery, I guess I should pronounce this, F-L-E-W-R-Y, Flavery, that's probably what it is, pronounced it a falsehood, and he, being a Roman Catholic, must be considered a good authority upon all matters relating to the Holy Church. The quotation, uh, the quotation, however, from this supposed deed of concession by Constantine to Pope Sylvester is not without instruction to the citizens of this country. It should arouse them to a sense of the dangers which are hovering over them. It should remind them that everything is perishable. The fairest flower must fade. The loveliest lily must wither. The laughing rose must droop. Even our fair republic must lose its bloom and pass away. A state of things may arise in this country when its execute, uh, executive may be a papist. <clears throat> think we got to that point now, folks? When its executive may be a papist. The papist is addressing the joint session of Congress. It's judiciary papist. A majority of its population may be papist. 
These things are not beyond the range of possibility and are sure that your own descendants and those of the pilgrim's fathers may not one day or other give this republic as a free gift to the head of the papal church. And so it has, folks. So it has. You are now strong. So was Rome. Your power is now irresistible. So was Rome and other countries. Your arms are invincible. So were those of Rome. You are distinguished all over the world for your progress in the arts and sciences. The world looks to you as a model as models of patriotism and pure republicanism. So did the world once look to Rome. But what is Rome now? What drove her from the high position she once occupied? I will tell you, the intrigues of the Popish Church. And a similar fate awaits you. Unless you cut off all connection of whatever name between the citizens of the United States and the Church of Rome, while this sink of iniquity breathes, it will carry with it destruction and death wherever it goeth. We have had several histories of the Pope's And the first mention made of donation to them, at least of any uh, comparative value, is by, here we go, Anastasius. Anastasius. Something like that. It's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-U-S. Who wrote about the beginning of the 10th century or a little before the close of the 9th century. His he informs us of Charlemagne conferred upon the Holy See as that hotbed of iniquity is uh, impiously, even at the present day, called whole provinces and acknowledged that they belong to the Pope by divine right, though it will be understood and denied by no competent historian that Charlemagne never even owned these provinces. It is well known that the readers of history that there is existed no empire of any extent but that of the East until the beginning of the ninth century Charlemagne assumed the title of King of Italy in the year eighteen hundred or eight hundred at eighteen hundred eight hundred he received homage from the Pope, and so far from being subject to him, he acknowledged no divine right in him. But, on the contrary, he held the Pope in strict subjection to himself. He even went so far as to prohibit the Holy See from receiving donations of any kind when given without the consent or to the prejudice of those who had just and equitable claims to them. This 
if there were no other proof, is sufficient to show that neither the popes nor the Holy See had any pretensions to universal supremacy or to the supremacy of any kind as far down as the 8th century. It will, be, it will not be denied that the civil authorities of Rome were liberally disposed towards the popes or fathers of the church and the early days of Christianity. The emperor Theodosius the Great, who died in the year 395, recommended to all his subjects to pay, quote, a due respect to the Holy a due respect to the see of Rome, end quote. Valentinian III commanded his subjects, quote, not to depart from the faith and customs of the Holy See, end quote. It will, however, be borne in mind that the Valentinian was acknowledged emperor at the age of six, and his affairs were managed principally by his mother. So, dissipated were his habits that he finally fell a victim to them. But up to that, this period, there is no evidence whatever that the popes either claimed or exercised temporal authority. About this time, several councils met for the purpose of adjusting uh, disputes that arose between the sons of the successor of Charlemagne, who unwisely, as historians, historians suppose, divided their empire into three equal parts among them. It was at one of these councils that the doctrine of the divine right of the popes to temple authority was first uh, broached by the production of some of those forged documents to which I have heretofore alluded. Pope Gregory IV took an active part in fomenting the dissensions which necessarily arose from the division where the successor of Charlemagne had made his emperor among his sons. The Pope, with that craft particular, peculiar excuse me, to all ecclesiastics, of the Roman Catholic uh, denominations was active in widening the breach between father and sons. And having effected this to his content, his next move was to, to sow further dissensions between the sons themselves and finally to create such a general confusion and dissatisfaction among all parties, sound familiar, as to render a mediator necessary, having attained his object, he offered his services to the imperial father, and it was accepted. He presented himself at his camp, obtained an entrance, and what were the consequences? History tells the tale. It was a tale of treachery. Americans well, bear in mind that Roman Catholics believe that their church to be infallible, that she never changes, that what was deemed right by her in the days of Gregory and those of his immediate successors 
is right now and vice versa what she deemed right now was right then in a word the church of rome is infallible this is believed by every one of her members at the present day it is taught by every popish bishop and priest in the united states the following curse is contained in the Roman Catholic breviary, uh, in which every Romish priest reads his prayers three times every day. Quote, Quai Dissit, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Quai Dissit Ecclesium Catholicum Roman, Romanum. Roman M, non esses, infallible, I don't know, infallible, anathema, sit. Whosoever says that the Roman Catholic Church is not infallible, let him be accursed. That's what it means, according to him. Such is the belief of every Roman Catholic will non-Protestant Americans pause and reflect for a moment. The population of the United States is about 20 million. Of course, it's 150 years ago when this book was written. 160 years now, isn't it? No, it's 160 years. It's a lot there. Anyways. I believe it's prior to the Civil War. Interesting. 17 million and a half of our people are accursed and damned, according to the doctrine of the Romish ritual, and yet we Protestants are called upon to extend a hand of friendship to these papists. And our legislators are asked to grant them charter to build colleges. Churches, nunneries, monk houses, and not for the purpose of teaching the growing generations to reveal the revealed will of God as read the scriptures, but to persuade them that all their religions, except that of Rome, are erroneous, that their parents, brothers, sisters, are heretics, accursed forever by the implication entitled to no allegiance from them. The Pope is now setting on foot a movement, a movement <clears throat> which is intended to embrace the whole world, of which he desires Rome to be the sole representative, center, and circumference. The powers of the Pope have met with several severe shocks since the Reformation, his forces have been broken. His armies of the Jesu- armies of Jesuits, his friars of all orders, Dominicans, Franciscans, uh, Capuchins, Capuchins, Capuchins. I guess that's right, Protestant. Capuchins have been scattered and enfeebled. He determined to arm himself afresh. He will. He, his, what he well knows cannot be done without throwing some firebrand of dissension among other people, 
which at this moment he is trying to affect. <clears throat> Thank you, Civil War, that you showed up after this book, in which nothing but the resistance offered to him by American Republicans can check or prevent. On the, um, on the continuous strength and union of this party depends on the stability of our government. This the Romish priests and the bishops well know and are beginning to feel, and hence they are denouncing them from their pulpits and in all their presence. But no Protestant opposes this party. Why call it a party? It is no party. It is but the spontaneous move of the good and the virtuous of all parties who love their God, their Bible, their country, upon whose strong arm and bold hearts rest the question whether Americans shall be free or slaves of their royal holiness, the Pope of Rome. Often have I lifted my voice, a feeble one, indeed, in fear of American Republicans. I believe their cause is the cause of God and freedom. Upon them, every American and every Protestant foreigner must rely for protection against the merciless spirit of popery. It requires no such, no stretch of the imagination to, to fancy a difference of opinion or even of interest between the citizens of this country. Suppose, for instance, that the North and the South were to grant variance. Suppose them actually at war with each other. And it certainly turned out a few years later that they were. Interesting, huh? This guy knew what was going on. What would be the curse of the of the course of the Pope's emissaries, hundreds of whom are now roaming through this land? The safest course and the surest mode of ascertaining what they would do in such an event is to look back and ascertain what they have invariably done under similar circumstances. It is, similar, it is seldom wrong, and as a general principle, it is safe to judge for the future from the past. And if so, there can be no doubt of the course which Jesuits and Roman Catholics would pursue in the event of any difficulties and collusions between the people of different sections of this country. <clears throat> Would they try to reconcile them? Did they ever do so in a like case? What was the conduct of the Jesuits and the popes as early as the 11th century? No. I didn't know that the Jesuits were back in the 11th century, but maybe they were. Maybe they were. Maybe there's something we're missing as far as the Society of Jesus. When the Roman people differed in opinion as in their form of government, some points of religious faith, the Pope laid an interdict upon the whole people the weaker party 
was overpowered by the papal authorities and their leader, as Fleury informs us, was burned alive by order of the Pope Adrian. What was that noise? Is that you, Chase? How was that crying? Where was I in all this? The safest course and surest mode of ascertaining what they would do in such an event is to look back and ascertain what they have uh, invariably done under similar circumstances. Okay, we read that. Um, lost by train of thought. Of course, the Jesuits and Roman Catholics would pursue in the event of any difficulties, collusions between the people of the different sects of the country. Would they try to reconcile them? Did they ever do so in a like case? What was the conduct of the Jesuits and the popes as early as the 11th century when the Roman people differed in opinion as to their former government and some points of religious faith, the Pope laid an interdict upon the whole people and weaker party was overpowered by the papal authorities and their leaders, as Flowery informs us, was burned alive by order of the Pope Adrian Frederick called a Bar Bar Barbarosa called Barbarosa. Okay. Barbarosa. Barbarosa. Who was the tool of God, of the Pope on this occasion became the next victim to his barbarity. Bar- bar- barbarity. <laughs> barbarity. And why? What had he done? What crime did he commit against the state? His only crime was he refused to hold the Pope stirrup. For this, he incurred the displeasure, the displeasure of Adrian. Nor did he ever enjoy the days of peace until the Pope succeeded him into an into an expedition against the Saladine, uh, Saladine, Saladine, Saladine. Where together with thousands of others who were persuaded to undertake their religious crusade, he died after several hard-fought victories. The history of the popes in all ages shows that they never abandoned any temporal or spiritual authority to which they lay claim. And had they the power to enforce it now, they would exact from would exact from this country the same obedience which they did in the most benighted days in the Middle Ages. Benighted. Should a separation of these states take place, should the chain that has bound us together for the last half a century and inks of love and social happiness be uh, unfortunately broken by any untoward circumstances, 
Thank you, fellow citizens, that the foreign papists in this country would try to um, re-weld it. Far from it. They would unite in breaking it, link by link, until not a practical particle of it remained. <clears throat> this they have done in every country where they obtain a footing. This they are doing now under various pretenses all over Europe, and so this country escapes the fate of others. That was back then, not now, folks. Where the Jesuits and the popes dare to exercise their supposed authorities, it will be stand prominent and proudly, though solitaire, solitaire, so though solitary and alone amid the records of the ages, the ruins of time. I have no such hope. The efforts which are now making to check the progress of popery may perhaps retard the day of our downfall. A comet must, unless the um, elegance, excuse me, unless the allegiance, which is now demanded by the Pope of Rome from his subjects in the United States is unqualifiably forbidden. The Pope is a temporal prince. Like other kings and princes, he should never be permitted to meddle, directly or indirectly, temporally or spiritually, with his country. He should not be permitted to appoint bishops and priests to any church, diocese, living, or office in the United States. The Pope's bulls, rescripts, letters, etc., etc., should not be published or read from any pulpit this side of the Atlantic. And though Roman Catholics should not be prevented from the free exercise of their religion, they should be compelled to do so without reference to foreign di dictation. If they must have a pope, let him be an American, a sworn and sworn to support our Constitution. Let him and all Roman Catholics be denied the right of voting or of holding any office of honor, profit, and trust under the government of the United States until they forswear their all allegiance in spiritual as well as temporal affairs to all foreign potentates and popes. Until this is done, an oath of allegiance to this country by a Roman Catholic is entitled to no credit and should not be received. This will appear evident to Americans if they will turn their attention to a moment to the following oath, which is taken by every Romish bishop before he's permitted to office, to officiate, excuse me, as such, in any of these United States. Quote, I do solemnly swear on the holy evangelists 
before the Almighty God to defend the dominions of St. Peter's against every aggressor, to preserve, uh, augment, and extend the rights, honors, privileges, and powers of the Lord Pope and his successors, and to observe uh, with all my might to enforce his decrees, ordinances, uh, reservations, provisions, and all dispositions, whatever, emanating from the court of Rome to persecution and combat to the last extremity, heretics, schismatics, and all who will not pay to the sovereign pontiff all the obedience which this the sovereign shall require, end of quote. We're in deep trouble, people. Every priest swears that? Every priest? So that's not just, uh, we're not just talking about Jesuits now, we're talking about every priest. You and I are in deep trouble. Whether you're, you're Roman Catholic or not, if you're I quote a liberal Roman Catholic, I know you've heard it from me a thousand times now on this show, but no one's safe. No one. No one's safe. And uh, are you starting to see the magnitude, the significance of this? happening you want to think about a meteor showing up on our shores a nuclear bomb an explosion well that's just about what's happened and happening it definitely will happen because the truth of the matter is we live in a Roman Catholic country at this point and uh, there is no Protestantism there's no protest. And this country, we all deserve what's about to befall us. Except for one thing. We weren't given a fair shot. The average person was never even given the opportunity to understand or know what exactly is going on. They've been lied to. Did the Jesuitical Jesuit sophistry casuistry, the Jesuitical educational system, the media? Funny how even quote unquote our Western European allies never reached out to us. None. At best, you got something like Jorg Glissman, who gleefully, triumphantly is exploiting the situation. Yay, America's being taken over. Yay, we got them. Instead of warning us, what's like to be in a predominantly Roman Catholic country, the woes of what's like to actually live in Western Europe, which the illusion, part of the old grand illusion, is to say how wonderful Western Europe is and all its great progressive freedoms. In reality, from 
Western Europe is extremely fascist to this day. Fascism never left. It just morphed into a smaller form following Jesuitical popish principles of Rome. Friend for now, because they need you, but once they don't need you anymore, they throw you under the bus. Literally and figuratively. By the way, I've had that experience with every single person who's ever lived or is from, literally, Western Europe, whether England or, or on the continent. Their ethics are really whacked. You want to know about a really corrupt group of people? Hang out in Europe. You want to know what's happening here? Go hang out in Europe. Because that's what they're doing to us. They're Europeanizing us. And what does that really mean? Well, that means the Jesuits that are in absolute control in every aspect of life. There is no real freedom of speech in Western Europe of any significance, the best you're going to do is a very superficial, mundane conversation that you find on Fox News and MSNBC. And, uh, but you will have music. You will be entertained. Entertain the masses. We've been a, a captured operation for a very long time. It's only now that they're deciding to present it, the true package, to the rest of the world. And uh, they're hyping this whole thing up for a reason. And that is because the papacy, the Jesuits, are really in charge and they really have wanted for a long time to show the world that they are and that's what they're doing so I don't know maybe I'll stop for now maybe I'll come back in an hour maybe I'll just wait till tomorrow I don't know what to do yet Yeah, it's a real strange journey. And unfortunately, my journey, the way things are, unfortunately, to have this conversation, I have to talk in a mouthpiece and a headset and at a, uh, at a computer screen to have it. Because it just it won't happen any other way. So... I imagine a lot of people probably think I'm a madman for doing this, but um, what else is there to do? I would hope that somebody hears me. Here's what I have to share. Whether it's 10 or 20 or 1. I'm not looking for popularity. I'm not looking for a, a, a big group of people to follow me. I'm just dreaming of that conversation. It was nice uh, having that conversation with Dave yesterday because uh, 
was one of the most meaningful conversations I've had personally in my life. I'm very honest. Um, overall, as far as one's point of view, perspective, and a willingness to be honest about one's reality and one's limited abilities and knowledge. Rome's done a masterful job of deluding us all. We're all in a fanciful fantasy Deep inside, we're all the same. We're all the same. Delusional. In a fantasy. Nuts. Absolutely crazy. Well, this oath is obligatory. So we're talking about that oath. The, 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 the priests all have to swear. Their first and foremost allegiance is to the church and not to this country or any other country, but the Pope. While this also is obligatory upon Romish bishops, they are not to be trusted. They should not be permitted to interfere directly or indirectly, indirectly with the institutions, laws, and ordinances of any Protestant country in which they masterfully have done. Haven't they? Their oath should not be taken in courts of justice. Their followers, everyone of whom is bound by a similar oath of allegiance, should be excluded from our grand juries, from our petite juries, from ever more especially from our halls of legislation for wherever and whenever the supposed interest of the popish clash with the civilized authority or even with the administration of the reciprocal justice, the papists under the control of his bishop will not hesitate to sacrifice the good of the country and the interest, life, and prosperity of his fellow beings for the good of the church. For the truth of this history abounds with examples, and popish writers are replete with authorities. Thomas Aquinas, whose authority no Roman Catholic questions, says in his work, the regime Quote, the Pope, as the supreme king of all the world, may impose taxes, destroy towns, 
castles for the preservation of Christianity, end of quote. The American reader will bear in mind that by Christianity, St. Thomas means popery. Pope Gregory VII, about the year 1050, has made use of the following language to proclaim it as a doctrine of the Romish Church. Quote, the Pope ought to be called universal bishop. He alone ought to wear the tokens of imperial dignity. All princes ought to kiss his feet. He has power to dispose, depose emperors and kings and is to be judged by none, didn't quote. Pope John XII in the year 956 announced the following to be the universal belief that, quote, whosoever shall venture to maintain who are we at here? It's lost. Whosoever shall venture to maintain that our Lord the Pope cannot decree what he pleases, let him be accursed. Pope Boniface Pope Benefice I might not say that right. Pope Benefice whatever. B-O-N-I-F-I-C-E Benefits. The 8th and 12, uh, uh, 94 declares ex cathedra, uh, quote, that God has set popes over kings and kingdoms, and whoever thinks otherwise declares him accursed, end quote. The same pope in other places says, Quote, we therefore declare and say, define and pronounce it to be necessary to salvation that every human creature should be obedient to the Roman pontiff, end quote. The Pope, the Pope of the present day, as every Roman Catholic writer maintains and teaches, the laity to believe and has the same power now that the popes had at any period of the church history. The Council of Trent, the last held in Popish Church, declared that the Pius V, who was the Pope of Rome, quote, was the prince over all the nations, kingdoms, having power to pluck, destroy, scatter, ruin, plant, build, end quote. Cardinal Ziba a sound theologian, according to Pope's beliefs, maintains with much uh, with much ingenuity, quote, that the Pope can do all things which he wishes and is empowered by God to do many things which he himself cannot do, end of quote. All writers upon canon law uh, complement the Pope by calling him our Lord the Pope. And this title was confirmed to him by the Council of Lateran in the fourth session of that, of that council. It is maintained, quote, that all mortals are to be judged by the Pope and the Pope by nobody at all. So he's allowed to judge everyone, but no one's allowed to judge him. Uh, Masonius who wrote the life of Pope John the Ninth, tells us that the Bishop of Rome, namely that a Pope cannot commit even sin 
within praise. Without praise. Without praise. Where there is no reproach upon the Romish church, but the bare utterance of such blasphemies as this. It would be enough to disgust mankind. It should raise every voice and her condemnation and every hand to pull down this masterpiece of satanic ingenuity. But strange as it may appear, the present Pope maintains similar claims and enforces obedience, nay more, in this year of our Lord, 1845, so he was even earlier than that, so, okay, 1845, insists upon the right of deposing all in power and absolving their subject from further uh, allegiances. But extravagant as the papal pretensions were between the 9th and 10th century, it was only about the middle of the 11th century that they began to show themselves in a full blaze of their hideous deformity. Hildebrand, whom we have had occasion to mention as Gregory VII, shook off all civil restraints and proclaimed the universal and unbounded empire of the popes over the rest of the world. As Shurel expressed it, quote, he caused to be drawn down the declarations of independence in all things temporal and spiritual, expressly, specifically, not specifying, excuse me, the Pope's divine right of deposing all princes, giving away all kingdoms, abrogating existing laws and substituting in their place such as the Holy Pope for the time being may approve of, end of quote. This declaration, or Bill of Rights, is correctly translated by Sobrell and published in his work entitled, quote, The Rise and Progress of the Papal Power, end of quote. Many probably may read this volume who have no opportunity seeing Chabrel's work and others there are who may refuse giving his statement at that credence which circumstances compel them to give the writer. Having been educated a Roman Catholic priest and the fact being well known that admission cannot be had in her priesthood without being well versed at least in her own doctrines it is fairly to be presumed that my statements are entitled to full credit. When those of Protestants may be denied by the Romish priest, who will unite with the church are compelled under pain of being cursed to subscribe to any falsehood, however gross, provided it subversion, subversive the interests of subserves, subserves the interest of the Pope and deny any truth, however plain, rather than contradict or weaken the authorities by which the impious follies and wicked pretensions of the Church of Rome are supported. I will give this Bill of Rights to my readers. It 
should be in the hands of every American. It should find a place in every primary school in the United States. It should be among the first lessons of infancy so that every child, uh, when he grows up and sees the Roman Catholic bishop and priest, should pause and ask himself, does that man believe those things? Are they called on to pass laws for the support and protection of the churches? Where such doctrines as the bill contains are promulgated, can we trust the man who promulgates them or those who subscribe to them? It is safe to live in the same community with them. Do they not endanger our civil institutions? Do they not jeopardize the morals of our children? Will it not, for some future day, be a blot upon the page of our history and a foul stain upon our character for intelligence? Hmm. What we have ever sanctified sanctioned such that we have ever sanctioned such doctrines and that we had ever allowed men who professed them and any participation in our civil rights but let Pope Gregory declaration of papal divine rights speak for itself quote the Romish church is the only one that the God has found that God has found it the title of the universal belongs to the Roman pontiff alone. He alone can depose and absolve bishops. He legates, uh, his legates preside over all the bishops in every council, and they pronounce sentence of deposition against them. The Pope can depose absent persons. It is not lawful to live with such as have been excommunicated. He has the power, according to circumstances, to make new laws, to create new churches, to transform the chapter, a chapter, into an abbey, and to divide a rich bishopric into two, or to unite two poor bishoprics. He alone has the right to assume the attributes of empire. All princes must kiss his feet. Whatever happened to that? I guess it still goes on, doesn't it? His name is the only one to be uttered in the churches. It is the only name in the world. He has the right to depose emperors. He has the right to remove bishops from one see to another. Like Holy See. He has the right to appoint clerks, priests, or in every church. He whom has appointed, he has appointed, may govern another church. It cannot receive a higher uh, uh, beneficence, beneficence, beneficence. I don't know how you pronounce it. Beneficence, beneficence, from any private bishop. No council can call itself in general without the order of the Pope. No chapter, no book can be reputed canonical without his authority. No one can invalidate his sentences and can abrogate those of all other persons. 
He cannot be judged by anyone. All persons whosoever are forbidden to presume to condemn him who is called to the apostolical the, the apostolical chair. The apostolical chair. To this chair must be brought the more important cause of all the churches. The Roman church is never wrong and will never fall in error. Every Roman pontiff canonically ordained becomes holy. It is lawful to accuse them. He permits when he com- when he commands. He may without synode uh, depose and absolve bishops. He is no Catholic who is not united to the Romish Church. The Pope can release the subject to of bad princes from all other oaths of allegiance. Those who have not been educated in Roman educated Roman Catholics or who have not lived in Roman Catholic countries will find it difficult to suppose that such pretensions are above should ever have been entertained or submitted to extravagant, absurd, 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 wild and wicked as they are. They have been uh, uh, acquisited, acquisited in by the court of Rome and are at this day contended for and would be enforced in this country had the church the power to do so. She has never resigned the rights to claim it above declaration, and there is not a Roman Catholic who dares assert the contrary without a, a, disp- a dispensation from his bishop or his priest to tell a deliberate falsehood with a view of deceiving Americans for the good of the church. This, however, they can always obtain and grant to each other uh, as circumstances may require. It's amazing how many Roman Catholics are really good liars. They really are. It's just in life. They just seem to acquire that attitude. And for that, I think I'm going to quit. It's been two hours and some minutes. I don't think anybody's inheriting you. And nobody's here. So, anyways. Um, yes, read the book, folks. Popery, as it was and as it is. You can find it on James Japan's website, jamesjpn.net. Thank you, James. And it was written by William Hogan. And the next time I get on, I will read more of it. And um, this is an important read. And people need to know who the Pope is, who Popery is. And most people think they do, but they really don't. So, from my impressions, I don't know most people, I guess, but most people that I've been interacted with uh, assume one thing. Uh, and that's about it. Anyways, for those who try to get back on the show and then left, well, thanks for trying. And hopefully you um, will listen to this. Maybe it's not as entertaining as you want it to be. 
but this show never was about entertainment to begin with. So it's called Nothing But The Truth, and very few people really want to know it. What they prefer is entertainment, because the truth makes them uncomfortable, makes them run and flee and hide. And I understand. People like the, like the comfort of entertainment more than truth. But so be it. That's the way it goes. And I'm so sick of all these perverted emails on spam. I'm, uh, I'm so sick of it. Really, you know, if somebody had a right to prosecute them, I've got to figure out if you have a right to prosecute people sending you that junk mail full of perversions. You should be ashamed of yourself to even do it. You shouldn't consider yourself a human being for doing it. Nothing's wrong with you. You really are that desperate of a person who can't find anything else better to do than pretend to be some slutted out 18-year-old or 19-year-old girl or 20-year-old girl, or whatever it is, it's always just like, I'm sick of the perverted stuff everywhere. I don't know what Dave McKay has to say. Lining up events with sun events is important to evil ones. The image is wrong. The fall equinox is on Wednesday, September 23rd. The day meets with Pontus. And they will probably worship the sun and Satan together. September 23rd, 2015, the fall equinox. Paul Francis, uh, Pope Francis will be the first pope to speak before the U.S. Congress. The sun will align atop the Washington Monument that day, and the shadow will stretch to touch the U.S. Capitol Dome, symbolically connecting heaven and earth. Good work, Dave. Good work. Good find. Like. I don't know where you got that thing, but it's great. I think I'll copy that image. I don't know where it went, but I haven't copied it. So, anyways. If someone is uh, prepared to hear the truth, God bless you. Take care. And talk to you later. So, I understand, too. There's a lot of people that were on the show last night. It seems to always be that way. Once again, highs and lows. As far as people showing up. But then again, I'm telling you with a lot of information, and I understand that. So, how would he be, uh, uh, for the average person, to be... Uh, Exhausting and 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 uh, etc. So, all right. God bless. Take care. I don't know what's going on. Why does it keep just messing with me?